This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown, touchdown Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass Matt Ryan today is looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones has it, and in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, joined by my co-host Nick Stevens, our producer Kevin Collins. And I don't know about you, but I am not over Championship Sunday yet. I... I am not even remotely. I mean, the Super Bowl is still what eleven days in the future. We'll we'll have plenty of time to chew on that. Um, I told you not to worry, Pat. Pat's fan. I did after the Pittsburgh loss. Uh-huh. I told you they'll still get number two seed. Yeah, and they can still get where they want to go. Like you've seen a little football in your day, Don I Banks. Have. By the way, hold on. Not going to take a big victory lap because I'm still too excited did about my Patriots. It? Did you pick it? I did. Oh. I'm the one in here that said. Pats Rams, the right. Super Bowl 36 rematch. So hold on one second. You can't hear this at home. Just had to pop my collar a little bit. All right. So I believe I would have picked it had the officiating been a little. Why? What happened? Uh, first of all, um, if you missed it, there was a lot of names dropped. Nickel Roby Coleman versus Tommy Lee Lewis, who yes. I thought sounds like a piano player in a jazz bar in yeah. the Tommy Lee Lewis. But right. There was, I mean, that was... Or an old gentleman's bare-knuckle brawler. We could do a whole show on that, and we might, because our guest today is, is, is going to be an excellent one for the topic. Mike Pereira, uh, obviously former uh, head of NFL officiating, uh, but since 2010, he's been with Fox as their rules analyst for both the NFL and college football. Previous, be, previous guest of the cover yes, podcast. he's been on before, show. but he's going to be on, um, I, I imagine he's a man in demand this week. Uh, Fox had the NFC title game, obviously the controversial non-call of pass inter- defensive pass interference um, that did swing a pivotal stretch of the game um, to the Rams. And, you know, I, I feel for the Saints fans, I do, because as bad as they botched a lot of that game and they did they're they're they have plenty of blame for their own defeat this is not just you know one call that went against them and nothing else uh nothing else sticks to them because that the play calling inside of two minutes was wrong um they obviously left a lot of points on the board in taking a 13-0 lead in the first quarter when they could have buried the rams but you have to be honest that call if it's made, and it should have been, gives them a, what, like a 99% chance of winning that game. I think their winning percentage, the old uh, FPI, whatever yep. it was, was somewhere between 90 and 93 yep. at that point in the game. So that's that's virtually, that's like, well, the Patriots earlier this season had a 99% chance of winning a game, and then something happened, but... Right. How could it happen? Well, it doesn't matter because we're going that to the Super Bowl, doesn't baby. matter. The Miami Miracle did not matter. Okay, now, go. let's go back to... Because the call is so egregious. I've watched shows on ESPN, shows on the NFL Network. I've listened to local sports radio podcasts. Yes, Don, I do take in a couple other ones. But, of course, the cover, too. Would thanks it's the only Stevens one you really start your day with. Of course. I, I, it was the, the, one of the worst non-calls in the history of sports, let alone the NFL and certainly playoffs in a game of that magnitude. At the same time, though, the Saints did themselves no favors over. I mean, I can count on. I'd need a second hand to count the number of plays, questionable calls. What is Taysom Smith doing in there on that third and right. four call? What is Drew Brees doing panicking and throwing a Farvian interception in overtime, like in the 2007 NFC Championship? And what a great interception that was, by the way. It was good. Pick. On his back. Yeah. Falling. Uh, Unbelievable. I, I th- Just play like they didn't. They they had a chance to just that should have been at least seventeen nothing if not twenty one nothing the same way the Patriots should have buried the Chiefs early on and both teams one escaped and the other one didn't they 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 played so tentatively yeah they it really was did such a lopsided effort like at least the Rams ha- gave concerted effort and were focused they just 
went up against a great team in a loud environment. But the Saints played to lose almost the not, whole game, not except a, on one play call. Not a shining moment for Drew Brees whatsoever. Uh, not one of his best games at all. And, nope. I again, I think Sean Payton's play calling was really ill-advised. So I'm not trying to – I'm not trying to let the Saints, um, you know, off the hook. I think they made a lot of mistakes that led to their own demise. Um, they put themselves in the position where one horrendous, egregious call could do that. You should not. You shouldn't come. And we let him off the hook. And we let him off the hook, Danny Green. Now that said, let's go back to what I said leading into that. That's legitimately the worst call. It yeah. was. It was. It wasn't just one. It was two missed calls. Don, please tell me you have seen the video that's gone viral. Maybe we can even ask Mike Pereira if he's seen, if he's seen it. Somebody put the exact same de- all the all the information from the game. They put everything from the game into Madden, and then they ran the play. Wow! On no, Madden twenty nineteen, and Madden knew to call pass interference. What's your theory? Because obviously that one side judge was staring right at the play. Did he choke? Know that it was a big moment. Know that it did he do the mental uh, arithmetic quickly and say this gives the Saints the game. And decided to not make to a call it for that drama. Big. No, I, I just think maybe he got he got stage fright that he knew that flag was going to end that game. It's a tough call to make, but it's a home call. Is it a tough call to make? I see. I don't well, think it's. No, a I don't tough think. It, I don't. Th- I mean, for me, but I'm also not a trained official. I didn't even stay at a Holiday Express last <laughs> night. You had pr- surrounding the perimeter of that play three refs. I think it was NFL memes. Ig had uh, a picture. All they were like. Ref that lives in Los Angeles. Ref that lives in Los Angeles. So they were trying to play that whole conspiracy angle. Not buying that. I'm not either. But I think the quote-unquote bang-bang nature of the play. That's what I've heard a lot of, bang-bang. So my See, old I, track coach used what to I, say, what bang, I, bang bang. I wrote on Twitter. I didn't even think it was a bang bang play. I saw it from. I saw it as like everyone else that's watching on 50 inch LED high def screens at home. The guy got there a full second before the ball did. Yeah. You heard the crack of his helmet hit the other guy's helmet. It, 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 I think he. I think he panicked, and then he just look. There's. I got it. There's something about letting the big boys play when it's all on the line in a championship game. There's the right time to swallow the whistle, but when it's that flagrant, you got to throw the flag. I really think he he choked up in a big moment and knows in his heart that he should have had the guts to throw the flag, but I think he thought he was affecting the outcome too much, and that's just the wrong mentality. If it's a penalty... In that situation, sorry. If it's that egregious, you got to call. But it was it was a bad day all around for NFL officiating. I'm sorry. In the right? Kansas City New England game, the phantom, you know, pi. P, no, the phantom call against. Oh, excuse me, the phantom uh, rough in the past. Yeah, um, and again, that was a referee from behind looking at an angle that he couldn't really see that the contact wasn't what he presumed it was. Okay, but at the at the same time, you could at least understand. Why yes. he would have made that call because it the did assumption. seem like a quote glancing blow. Yep. He didn't really make contact with the helmet, which right. would have merited the fifteen yards. Right. But I mean that didn't even come within half a mile no. of the same. It did not. Nope. Uh but it, it still there were I mean there were uh, how many plays got reviewed in that fourth quarter? Um all key of key plays. <laughs> like Three, the, four, the Edelman five. the yeah. Edelman's almost muff. And everybody saw the Edelman's almost muff through the eyes of the beholder. Some people were adamant that it that it ticked off his thumb. I didn't. I did not see the ball change direction. But right. I'll say this: I'm surprised they overturned it because of them calling it the way they called it on the field. I thought, wow, I didn't see the ball hit him, but I didn't think they would say with a hundred percent beyond a shadow of a doubt it didn't hit him because I thought it was too close for them to say conclusive were you surprised that they? i I was actually yeah i was i was just as surprised that they later overturned there was a pass to chris hogan that right there were two actually i believe that were reviewed one where they kept one great catch that one-handed catch was outrageous and that was a catch it was and the other one didn't seem to be so inconclusive so conclusive that they should have overturned i feel like they've they balanced it out a little bit. Yeah, the old Oscar make good. Like, well, Don, you didn't win for the performance everyone loved you in. And we're going to give you the Thalberg for lifetime yes, achievement. You, sorry we didn't give it to you in Godfather, but we're going to give it to you in Scent of a Woman. Some of that happens undoubtedly. Ugh. It's a human element to officiating. But, um, I mean, they, they so they 
digitally zoom in to a point where Edelman's red glove covered hands are our whole screen. And maybe it did. I mean, but we're talking about so little that at that point, if they made that call in the field, then they would have to say it's completely inconclusive. See, we need somebody like Mike to help us, the fans, and the broadcasters understand exactly why the whole inconclusive thing happens. And also, I think the refs need, going forward, to understand why the whole inconclusive thing is so so important because I would just use logic. It doesn't look like it changed direction. So don't worry about the whole call in the field stands or how much evidence you need. Just why did, Why is logic always the last thing to factor into the equation? I don't know about you, but, I mean, obviously as a, as a – as a Patriots fan as you are, it must have been a great uh, Sunday night. It felt to me a little, not empty, but I, I didn't feel great coming out of that first game. I felt bad, really, for both teams. I felt bad because the Saints literally were one play away, perhaps, from putting that game away and going to the Super Bowl. Right. I felt bad for the Rams because they played their butts off, and yet a lot of people will always have an asterisk next to that win mm-hmm. and that Super Bowl trip, and that's that's lousy for them. Because you know this is their moment, and they're not a they're not going back for the fourth time in five years. This is their first run in seventeen years for this right. coach, this, these players. I it just I don't know. I was like, eh, this this is not a good look, and I didn't feel good coming out of Championship Sunday um, because it was too much emphasis, obviously, and focus on the officiating. The Rams should not apologize for anything they did on field. The effort. The game plan, the coaching, Greg the leg with an epic performance. I mean, the 57-yarder might have been good from 77. Goff was great the last three quarters plus. He was excellent. When he needed to C.J. Anderson, I'll tell you, only Todd Gurley may have to talk to himself or think about what's going on. What the Rams should apologize for is the fact that, according to Nielsen Metrics, more Patriots fans watched the AFC Championship in Los Angeles than Rams fans watch the NFC Championship. Is that right? Yeah. That came out last night. How did they figure that out? I don't know how they figured that out. Like households, I don't know. Last night it was on NBC Sports Boston. That came out, and of course, that led to, you know, the usual online trolling in the cesspool that is Twitter. Well, again, we're going to have Mike Pereira, uh, Fox NFL and college football rules analyst, on shortly to talk about all things. Again, the fact that three days later, I'm still kind of consumed with the officiating issues. Um, not so much with the Chiefs um, Patriots game, obviously, but still, there was the boy. There were a lot of uh, jump ball reviews. Did I not tell you all season? Never underestimate Andy Reid's ability to to kick away a sure thing in the playoffs. Okay, now I've already heard some Andy Reid clock mismanagement nonsense going on because he only left his team with 39 seconds left, and of course the, they were able to get in field goal range and all of. Two plays. Well, he left the Patriots with too much time, some people believe, um, in, in their drive to go ahead. Right, because the Pats had just over three minutes, and Brady used two and a half. It to was get his down play calling. When the Chiefs were down 24 21, he called just a series of pass plays, mm-hmm. some of which were penalties um, that would have stopped the clock anyway. But the thinking was he, he goes for broke. He loves to throw the ball. He didn't think, I, I, I need to limit. I want to score, obviously. I need seven. But I also want to limit the time that I give New England. Right. No, again, that's, it's, not, it does, it's not as glaring as the usual Andy Reid fourth quarter clock mismanagement. But then when you have a chance to do all the math and look at things from 1,000 yards away, you can see, oh, yeah, he probably should have done that differently too. And then he went on. The Grouse Tour 2019. He was saying that uh, he didn't like the fact that the officials, it wasn't incumbent. Up, the officials already have, are having a tough enough job calling and trying to get all the calls right and review this incredibly competitive, exciting game. They have real emotions, too. I hate to say it. They're not surgeons. And now he's saying, well, they should have let us know about D Ford. Right. They should have identified the fact that he was lining up consistently close to, if not offsides. That like, was the quintessential sloppy, undisciplined move at the wrong time that always dooms a, an Andy Reid and a Chiefs team. Uh, and Bob Sutton, their defensive coordinator, got fired yesterday. But by and large, let's be honest, third and ten three times and your defense can't get the Patriots off the field. That's Who, who did Bob Sutton think they were going to? Inexcusable. How do, you not, how do you not double Gronk, double Edelman every single time? I hate to say it, but... 
Somebody had to pay the price for that. Well, and Bob Sutton, good coach, but not um, not getting it done. I mean, they, they had a great offense this year, and they mm-hmm. basically had to work around a defense. A defense that came up big in some settings, but It had boy. been 34 games since somebody had hung a 30-burger or higher in Arrowhead, and uh, the killer, the robber of dreams, once again, comes through. There is nothing like the Chiefs' ability to to take a almost slam dunk and and kick it away in the playoffs. I'm sorry. This this was their year. They had home field, and they had a Patriots team that obviously is not the strongest New England unit. And they still, they still could not figure a way to beat Tom Brady. But don't you think, though, that the Patriots did enough things right and surprisingly executed to a high enough, dare I say, Patriots level, that they put themselves in a position to compete at the end of that game? Yeah. Yeah, agreed. All right, we're going to welcome in now Mike Pereira, uh, longtime director of officials in the National Football League, and obviously since 2010 he has served as a rules analyst for Fox Sports, both NFL and collegiately. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to the Cover 2 podcast once again. Good to be with you guys. I know you've been making the rounds because I tried to listen to everything you've said the last two days, so you probably have this on um, mental save string at this point. But let's let's dive right in without – Without looking back too much to the details of Sunday, I kind of want to get your take on the fact that we're still talking about it three days later. Al Riveron's world, the new director of officiating for the NFL, is probably not real comfortable right now. Where do you think we go, Mike? Where, what makes the most sense to you in terms of if there is a potential change, tweak, fix in, in terms of expanding replay um, to review more plays and, and potential penalties like that that pass interference. Yeah, well, listen, I think that there's nothing that can be gained by going backwards at this point. And, and you basically referenced that in all the lawsuits that people are talking about are going to accomplish nothing. Um, there's no way that the commissioner is going to get involved with looking at a judgment call and, and, and trying to reschedule a game and do that. That's not that's within his powers, but it's not realistic at all. So to me, the question is, you know, how do we go forward to make sure this doesn't happen again? And I think it really takes a big picture approach. Um, I, I'm not for expanding replay. Um, I'm, I'm not for having replay review pass interference calls. I'm not for Bill Belichick, uh, you know, having to challenge a potential pass interference call, whether it's made or one that's not made. Um, I'm not for Bill Belichick, you know, and others who say, let's, let us challenge everything. Um, because I think that will take the game into a new dimension because even though they say they don't want more challenges, the fact are that there are very few coaches challenges that are used now. Um, because, you know, replay automatically reviews and takes a look at all turnovers, all scoring plays. So there's not a whole lot left to challenge, but if you can challenge everything, then, you know, 1.2 challenges per game, which is about the average, will turn into four or five, and we have more breaks. So I'm not for that at all. What I am for is figuring out how to use technology um, more efficiently and quicker. And so, you know, I, I think it's time to really, really kind of break down the institution of officiating as we know it and to get over trying to put band-aids um you know by on on the problems by saying well we're going to make we've got 24 full-time officials um that, that's doing nothing um you know so to me i want an eighth official yeah i mean and i think this works and and the eighth official you know, you've got seven now. College has eight. I want an eighth official, and I want him to be a judge, but I want to call him the sky judge. And I want him in a booth um, somewhere in the stadium with access to the television shots who can instantly recognize the misses of the big plays, the big plays. So you're talking about, if we just go backwards a little bit, you're talking about the missed pass interference in the in the Saints game. You're talking about the roughing the passer penalty in the Chiefs game. You're talking about the missed offensive pass interference on a big gain at the end of the uh, uh, the Chiefs Patriots game. Chris Conway. Um, the big things. The big things. And 
you know, I, I just break it down into this being this simple. He, it's a member of the crew. He, they just, he travels with the crew. They maybe even rotate with their deep guys and have one guy in the box, and he has the ability to present a different view after getting a quick look on television. Early in the Saints game, I mean, the, the down judge called offensive pass interference. Okay, the, the, the side judge came in and said, you know, hey, what do you got? Offensive pass interference. He said, you know, I saw that whole action, and, and you know, the defender initiated the contact, and, you know, I think we got to pick this up. So I got a second opinion, and they picked it up. And I like that. Now, I'd like to expand it and give that eighth official, the sky judge, the opportunity to take one quick look and at the at the play and maybe one quick replay and go right into the ear of the referee and say, Hey, Bill Vinovich, I got the quick look. That is pass interference. It's an obvious pass interference. It's going to be first and goal at the six for the Saints. Put the ball down, make the announcement, let's go. It gets corrected in 15 seconds by officials in real time and doesn't either force a three-minute delay in replay or outside of two minutes doesn't force the coach to make a decision on whether to challenge or not. It, It just does things in real time and does it efficiently. And, you know, I've said it so many times over the last three days, and I, I, I mean, I believed it initially, and I'm stronger in my belief now. Technology is improving at a faster rate than officiating is improving. Right. So I, I think it's time to suck it up, um, take a look at the way that, you know, the officiating has been handled in the past, and just give an eighth official, a quick second look to make to correct the obvious errors. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, making, you know, hey, you know, then he's not going to call down and, and correct um, a, a left tackle not being up on the line of scrimmage, you know, or a defender being offside or a play clock maybe expiring just before the ball is snapped. It's big picture. It's personal fouls. It's player safety things. It's 15-yard penalties. It's... um. It's the pass interferences. I think it can be done. I think it can be done efficiently, but it will take thinking outside the box, and I get a little disturbed when I hear Stephen Jones say, you know, we can't review pass interference calls. And when John Elway says it, members of the competition Bingo. say the same thing. Come on, yeah. Let's open up and look outside the box. It's that it's that clinging to that conventional wisdom that kind of got us to this point. If I and we're with Mike Pereira, uh, Fox Rules analyst for NFL and college football, at on the Cover Two podcast, I wanted to say, boil it all down, Mike. What you're saying is that eighth official allows the league to close the gap that exists right now when we all can watch in high definition and everyone who owns a television something egregious unfolding where there's no recourse in the system right now for the NFL to say, we've got to fix this in real time. Everyone knows it. We have to have a, a way and a path and to make it right in the moment. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and all you're saying is you're just adding another member to the crew and he gets a quick point of view of vision from a television, either a live shot, which he could play back and forth, um, you can record. It's recorded, so you play it back. He can. He can look at. I, I. I maintain right now that you could correct six calls in a new system like this in the same amount of time that replay would take to correct one. Um, and so, you know, to to me, the timing is better, and may even eliminate the need to, you know, to uh, end up having to challenge something anyway. Okay, but, let me let me uh, let me pick apart. Where are they going? You've been in those competitions competition committee meetings where are the critics going to pick the eighth official apart and say no 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 well i think that here's and i i I would say this would be me going in if i'm the out river on the old mike Pereira. i'm going to say look at it look at this this is logical you know and is it fraught with problems possibly what are the unintended consequences well i'm not totally sure do you you know do you stop a running clock inside of two minutes? Yes, you do, but you're only treating an obvious mistake. So it's it's not stopping it to review something. It is stopping it because you see a an a, an obvious mistake. And so I say, give me sixty four games in the preseason in two thousand and nineteen. Let me do let me do this in 
every one of the games in the preseason. And then let's analyze it um, and take some time to analyze it and not use it in the regular season in, um, in, two, in, 20, in uh, 2019. But if it works, then let's use it in the playoffs after the 2019 regular season. And if it works, then let's pass a one-year rule and bring it in officially for the regular season in 2020. And so it gives us 64 games to analyze to see if it works. But I don't think, and I know that we're reacting to an outlier here, a play that seldom happens and a big-time mistake on the big stage, but I just don't think we can do that. I don't think we can accept the notion anymore that we says we can't. Um, and that's the, the feeling that I'm hearing, you know, when they go into the meetings, we can't. Well, yes, you can if you look at it a different way, right. a different way. I agree you can't do it within the replay system. I think that would be really muddled and would lead to long delays. But you can do it if you think of a different way and just allow officials, not the replay, but officials to get a quick look of, of, uh, of the play and then make an immediate decision. I, I think it, I think it makes sense. And, um, I think after 64 games in preseason in, in, uh, in a year, you, you, you find out that it's pretty efficient. Kind of like last year when they called so many crown of the helmet penalties in the preseason, and then they sort of worked that out and used the preseason to iron that out. I could see that working out as well, Mike. Uh, this is Nick sure. Stevens, Don's co-host here on Cover 2 with Mike Pereira. Uh, not, not that this answer will necessarily fix or write anything. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, it, it may only hurt more, but... Uh, knowing what you know about the officiating, why do you, why do you think it happened? I think we all just want to get to the bottom. You know, we we've seen the replay, we saw the vantage point they had. What do you think happened? Do you think they were afraid to make a call with a minute twenty left that would in, in effect end the game? Uh, was it they swallowed the whistle just to sort of let the big guys play it out in the field? What happened? Well, I mean, listen, I can't get inside their heads. I can't right. get inside their eyes. Uh, but I do know this: no one, no one. Um, and certainly in my time or Al's time now or Dean times, Dean's before Jerry Seaman, nobody, nobody ever said before any playoff games or any playoff season, let them play. That, that's not existent. Um, but I do believe in the subconscious mind that when you're actually on the field in a big game, in a playoff game, you know, you, you kind of say to yourself, I want to be technical. Um, I don't want to be technical. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't want to be technical. I want to get the big ones. I don't want to be the story at the, you know, when the game is over. And so I think you then are kind of using a different standard that you use during the year. And what, what concerns me about that subconscious mind is that it causes you to be complacent. And, and, and maybe, you know, they missed a pass interference earlier in the game against the same player. You know, not obviously at the big stage at the end of the game like this, but maybe this kind of notion of not being technical, you know, caught them all at the end of the game to where they just weren't mentally prepared. I don't know, um, but that's my guess, uh, you know, because it's just you look at the play and you think there's any one of three that could have called something here, whether it be pass interference or the possibility of a, illegal hit on a defenseless receiver and they didn't and uh, i think in a way it was kind of a hangover from basically that subconscious mind saying i I don't want to call anything unless it's big and then you don't react when it actually does happen so i don't know i do know this though i same thing happened to me in my playoff game that i worked in kansas city in 97 I froze on the most obvious illegal contact call in the history of illegal contact. I swallowed the olive, I choked, um, (laughs) and I, and I, and I will never forget that. And, you know, this doesn't, this is, doesn't help anybody connected with New Orleans, but these officials will remember this until the day they die, not just while they're officiating for the rest of their careers. Um, we take this so seriously, and 
it's like me. People ask me, what's the best call I ever made? I have no idea. And then they say, what about the worst? Well, it just jumps out at me how I froze on a big stage. And, um, you know, and, and, and I've lived with it. And they're going to live with this, too. Should they be fired? Absolutely not. I mean, they really, to get to where they were, they had phenomenal years. But they made a critical mistake. And they've got to go forward from that, and they got to learn from it. And it's unfortunate, but um, it, it's it's really kind of hard to fathom. Real quick, Mike, I uh, wanted to get your take on this too. Uh, overtime rules, especially when it comes to the playoffs, uh, you think that there'll be any change, and does the NFL need any change to the format? Well, I don't know if there'll be any change, but I don't think that they do. I mean, I, listen, the, the one thing that the league has always wanted to have in in overtime is sudden death. And if you, I think you're going to be hard pressed to eliminate sudden death. And that's the way it still is. Even though you have a two possession game, if the team doesn't score in the a touchdown um, in their, in their first drive. But if you do score a touchdown, it is sudden death. And so I don't see them changing. Um, I think defense has to be a part of overtime, too. And quite frankly, if you play defense and do your job, then you create an, uh, an obvious advantage for your offense. Then knowing that if they held the, the first series went without a score, then a cheap field goal wins it for, the, for, the, for that, that possession of the other team. So I don't, I don't see them changing it. And quite frankly, um, I, I, I don't think it should be changed. I agree with you. And I think, I, frankly, I think the Rams-Saints overtime proved the point that it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, if it's a one-score game, that's that's bad, if it's a, or, or a one-drive game. In other words, what happened in KC uh, was offset nicely by what happened in New Orleans. Defense was played. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Mike Pereira has been our guest on the Cover 2 podcast. Uh Thanks so much, Mike, for the time. I know you're um, a, a man in great demand this week on this topic. In summary, though, I think I heard you say this. You don't believe Al Riveron or anyone else will be in jeopardy in terms of their job uh, relating to this. Well, I mean, I can't speculate on that, but I can tell you this. I mean, uh, you know, as head of the department, when I was there, I always felt my job was on the line. And I don't think that's any different than whether it was Jerry Seaman or Dean Blantino or Carl Johnson or, or whoever it might have been. I mean, heads could roll. But I, I think from an officiating standpoint, I would not fire three of my best officials because they froze on one call and then hire three guys that couldn't even carry their jock in right. terms of ability. So they'd be killing my program even more. So. But I can't predict what would happen, you know, interior-wise and inside the league office. Okay. Mike Pereira, thanks again for your time this morning on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. All the best. You got it. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. I think he pretty clearly said Al Riveron might be in trouble there. (laughs) That was the insight, perspective, and opinion on officiating both in that game, in the NFL, and going forward that I think we and all fans wanted because – a, I've said this before. The man has just a fantastic speaking voice, but also, be, we, but he's got great authority and he's got perspective. And he just owned up to his own gaffe. Yeah, I, I loved hearing the fact that it haunts him twenty-one years later that he thinks he blew the worst call in the postseason. I loved swallowed the olive. Swallowed the olive. That's, that's a good one. That's Choke. new in my lexicon. Yeah, yeah. I like that one. I think uh, I'm, gonna I'm, I'm gonna have a co-op. Is that, that is that the whistle? Is the olive the whistle? Well, he said he or? choked. So, yeah. so swallowing on. I, don't know. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Look, I love the eighth official idea. I do think that is the least sky um, judge. Great term. Too. Yeah. It it basically is. It's an eye in the sky, and it's there to fix, like, what the problem is. Everybody always assigns the everything when. We're not trying to fix the everything. We're trying to fix the egregious. And again, if if a gazillion people with high-def televisions can see that play and know instantly w- what the consequence of it is, meaning the Saints could have put the game away and the Rams might go to the Super Bowl erroneously, um, there's got to be a mechanism for that to be caught in real time so that the— so that Al Riveron's not sitting in New York going, wow, we're going to catch holy crap for this, but I can't do anything about it. There's nothing I can do. It, I just have to watch it play out for the next 72 hours. Is there a more thankless job in sports, by the way, or just in entertainment? It probably isn't, and it's why 
It's why the league should have recognized the importance of that role and paid big to keep a Dean Blandino or a Mike Pereira, both who went to television, right. as well as some pretty good officials in mm-hmm. the last few years, Gene Steratore, Terry McCauley. Right. Um, I won't say Jeff Triplett. He also went to television. Well, listen, people, people now, bef- prior to the game Sunday, prior to the games, there was a whole hubbub on message boards, your Reddit and social media, because Vinovich's crew, I think, was one in five or one in six in games they called against the Rams. So they were de- they were decidedly Rams fans. All seven or nine of them were were stirring up a whole hubbub like, oh, we got to get this ref a replace because the Rams never win when he calls a game. Well, yeah. are you crying now? And by the same token, uh, Cle- Blakeman, the Patriots had a decidedly losing record in games he officiated as well. How, yeah, how'd that so work? So let's just let's just go ahead and like. Knock, and, and now the official who's calling the Super Bowl, uh, every single Rams game he's ever called, they're undefeated. So so mm. should we once again stir things up? Or are we going to be looking for a make-good call somewhere I'm along never, the way? never, ever, ever. It's nonsense. I'm never buying the conspiracy theories. I don't believe for a second the no league. No Tim Donaghy's, none of this none nope. is nonsense. That's just that's just what fans who are paranoid do at some point. They get They get crazy and they look for stuff like that. I believe the guy choked. I think he kept it in his pocket when he when he realized very quickly the impact of that call. And I and I I think Pereira does too and realize that he's been there and done that. Mike said he's frozen before, so he thinks that I like that whole thing too. Like Mike took us in the subconscious mind. Yeah. Thinking like how tough it is to make that call at that moment and you gotta think analytically but at the same time use your gut. Like there are so many different like we ask our computers to, to perform so many different tasks with the press of a button. So many different millions of processes happen in a second. Same thing happens in our mind. And when you think of the ramifications, the multiple calls, the size, scope, and specter of what you're about to do, sometimes you just think, well, that was close enough, right? There really and, were ramifications, too, to this one. Ramifications. Wow. Um, you just stole my spirit and my thunder. <laughs> How about how about this? Don's got jokes. Don't, don't you like the fact that Mike singled out? I mean, I, I thought the exact same thing. Stephen Jones, the Cowboys team president, John Elway, both come out quickly in the last couple of days saying at the Senior Bowl in Mobile Mobile. No, 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 we can't, we can't, we can't. You have to figure out the yes. You can't just say no. We're going to cling to what we've done before because I do think the eighth guy in the box to allow for the fixing in real time of egregious errors is where we're headed. It's going to get there eventually. We might as well not go there kicking and screaming. We might as well get ahead of the curve. And you can't let people at home see more than the, than the officials get to see. It right. just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And I think what Mike was saying, without directly coming out and putting it to words, I think what he was saying is, you know, well, he did sort of say that like technology is advancing faster than we can keep up with it in the officiating as well. But once we go down this road, there's kind of no turning back. It's like once we sort of release artificial intelligence or start making ourselves cyborgs, that's it. Like if we like once we start putting chips in ourselves, that's it. Once we start putting cameras on the pylons and once we start allowing you to re- to question or ask for a review on every play, every call, every penalty, that's it. We're down that road. Baseball has benefited from it, but at the same time, Don, I'd like to ask you, you're, you're a baseball guy who strikes me as having the, uh, I won't call it old-time sensibilities, but you like the game for yeah. the, the romantic qualities. Yep. Do I don't, you, I don't do you s- like replaying baseball? I do, actually. I do. I, okay. I, I believe that it, it was needed on some level. I, I think it's already proven to be very handy because you see how many calls were blown. I mean, just your routine uh, 6-3 put out. Right. You see how many times that half step was was incorrectly uh, seen. Right. Appreciated rather, at the yeah. time. You think Armando Galarraga ever looks at that and says, I'd have a perfect game if we yeah. had replay. Of course he does. Yeah. But I'm, So I was for it. I do have a healthy respect I, you know, for the tradition of the game, but I do think, again, there are some things y- you can fight against you know, progress, but when everyone else at home can see it, the 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 people officiating the game have to have some access to that information as well. Interesting that he doesn't believe 
pass interference should ever be um, reviewable. Now, CFL, we didn't get to that, but the CFL has a system in place. Reviews haven't skyrocketed. The averages are about the same, even a little lower. It seemingly has worked. It allows the coach to challenge a PI call. And I think I read where like almost 48% or something close to half has been overturned. So I'd be interested to, at another time, find out what his opposition to the CFL system for pass interference reviews is. Maybe it's just that old takes too long, adds too much replay time to the game. Calls have been made. Don, stop me if you've heard this before, but it is what it is. We are moving on to Super Bowl 53. Game, like you said, is in 11 days at time of recording. But the championship Sunday, easily the most memorable I can remember, uh, that I can think of. The double overtimes never happened. I mean, first ever double overtime, down to the wire. And the Patriots-Rams, excuse me, the Patriots-Rams game coming up should be exciting too. But Pats-Chiefs, that was a game, I mean... If the, you have to pick between the two as to which one goes on to, like, NFL Network's Instant Classic. How many Instant Classics that Bra- – let's say Brady's 29 playoff wins. How many Instant Classics that he's pulled off are better than the Kansas City one? Super Bowl 51. One. Maybe two just because his fourth quarter against the Seahawks was so incredible. Maybe because they do were you, down 24-14. Do you put the original uh, – Rams Patriots Super Bowl thirty six. No, in because this? that game got boring for a long stretch of time. So how? Many, Although it was still an incredible, an incredible victory. You know, how many instant classics were better than this instant classic in the in the Brady twenty nine playoff wins? It was um, one, maybe two tops. That's a top five Patriots win all time. That's a top top five Brady win, top five effort by the team. And then, and the sad part is, like, we got these two incredibly dramatic games, and and we spent most of this podcast talking about the officiating. Right. And that that's the whole point. How uh, much? Oh, please! It should have been mean, a day where the league's yeah. best were on display. And Are we going to be talking about this for the next eleven days too? No, I don't think to the not same even degree. you and me, but just no, everybody. I'm, I think everybody's going to use this week, and then next week it'll be. In the background, but because again, the Rams are fairly or unfairly are going to have a bit of a uh, they shouldn't be here type of asterisk applied to them. All right, let me let's let's turn the tables and look forward for a change. What's the best? I love the Super Bowl storylines. I spend like hours trying to come up with them before the matchups, even before we know the final matchup. I'm looking at the final sixteen or the final four matchups that are possible. What's your favorite element to Rams Patriots? Super Bowl Fifty Three in a way of a, a, a angle or a storyline. I'll give you my I'll give you my top three and I'll go bronze to. But now go. you you're probably stealing one of mine. I want one. All I right. don't want three. All right, let me, I'll give you my first one. The chance for Brady and Belichick to, uh, as us pop culture nerds say, complete the Patriot Infinity Gauntlet and win their sixth, which I felt like they were going to or should have last year and did not. And now they get to come back and right the wrong in their ninth Super Bowl appearance. Six out of nine would be pretty righteous. And don't you think it's even better, that angle, that it would be against the same team they got number one against? That would have been the silver that that would be the silver medal. Okay. That's the I think it's all the same, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But see I love I love the coaching matchup. Well that and that's the bronze. Goff I'm sorry, Goff. McVeigh turns thirty three tomorrow. Right. Belichick's sixty six. You know you always throw out that phrase uh-huh. oh, he's half his age. He's half his age. 33 versus 66 is an incredible, incredible uh, stat to roll around your your brain. Now, obviously, he's already the youngest Super Bowl coach. He would be the youngest to win, beating Mike Tomlin. It was mm-hmm. 36 when the, the 08 Steelers won. Um, but the idea that Belichick is twice his age, and I might add, I went and looked this up. Do you know Belichick against Mike Martz 17 years ago? Guess who was older? Mike Martz by a year and a half. Belichick was the young coach the last yeah, time. Barely. 49 to 50. Okay. But 66 to 33. Belichick could legitimately be the same way Brady could have been Patrick Mahomes' dad. Belichick could be the grandfather I know. of Sean McVay. I want to see a meme where McVay is on Belichick's knee or something. And well, that'll circle around when the Patriots win. It's Christmas. Yeah. Uh, it, here's the matchup it is the millennium versus the millennial. It is the master versus the apprentice. It is the genius versus the prodigy. 
Because I don't think there's a lot of juice to this whole Super Bowl 36 rematch. I mean, no, they, no. They were in St. Years Louis. It's 17 years different, ago. Different team other than Also, Brady. by the way, I just want to remind everyone, Tom Brady played in his first Super Bowl 17 years ago. Just let that soak Guess in. Guess how old he was. He was 24. Guess how old Goff is. 24. Right. So you can kind of flip it a little bit. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm you just, can. Uh, you, just all saying. Right. The numbers are there. The Rams were the favored back then. They were coming off a Super Bowl. Sounds like he likes the Rams, Nick. Oh, he's definitely picking the Rams. No, I'm actually picking the Patriots. Cheering for the Rams, though. I'm, pick, I'm picking the Patriots. No, actually, I, I actually think the Patriots are going to win and win their sixth and prove everybody that's. Did you pick the Did you pick the Eagles last year? I did. He did. I did actually. Well, that should make you feel good then. It does. I, I take comfort in Don's prognostication. You should take Don's security blanket and wrap it around you as you sleep. You should see the looks I get when friends of mine who I've been watching football with for twenty years go, You do a podcast with Donnie Banks? Yeah. yeah I've read I've been reading Banks since I was Patrick Mahomes age. Since I was thirty three. So anyway, an, a programming note. We're gonna do the pod next week from Atlanta. We don't know where. We don't even know what day. It could be from a Chick-fil-A, could be from a Varsity, could be from a Waffle House if maybe, we're lucky. Maybe we'll try to get Dan Orlovsky and recreate uh, last year's pod. I think we got Peter King and Dan Orlovsky. I, I would run that back. That was a blast. Might might try to do that. Um, anyway, that's a programming note. I, I, I love the coaching matchup. I think, um, I, I think McVay will be fun all week. And I think Belichick will get off a few how good, many, yep, good how, lines. And how many more? Of course. He's already gotten one off. He already was asked about Aaron Donald. Yep. Unblockable. What does he do? Yeah, he's unblockable. Yep. Yeah. He's, um, we're not there to play the weather. Coach, uh, how do you feel about, pl- how do you feel about uh, going back to try and win a Super Bowl in the city uh, whose team you defeated in an unbelievable fashion to you? Yeah, we're not playing history. We're playing the Rams. Well, but there is good history involved. I mean, the last time the Rams won, they were in Atlanta. I spoke to Dick Vermeil yesterday morning uh, for a story that I wrote for The Athletic. Mm-hmm. He's the only coach in Rams Did he cry? history. I don't think I got him choked up, but I didn't go. I didn't go for the uh, sentimental value. Um, he's the only Rams coach to win a Super Bowl in franchise history. Plus, um, he's really vested in that 01 team that Mike Martz, his former offensive coordinator, lost to the Patriots. Um, he's and, and people forget this, but he broke in to the NFL as a Los Angeles Rams assistant under George Allen in 1969, and was later the wow. Rams offensive coordinator. So he was an LA Ram. He was a St. Louis Ram, only Rams coach to win a Super Bowl. He's got um, he's he's exactly fifty years older than Sean McVay, the current coach, but they still stay in contact. McVay mentioned the other day he still gets texts from for Meal, wow. which is kind of cool. So, um, please and- tell me we're not going to get the, over the next eleven days. Please tell me we're not going to have to listen to Marshall Falk going. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna win this one because we got cheated out of it. I hope not because oh. that story didn't even turn out to be. Accurate. No, we're talking about but the, that doesn't matter though. No, it's become part of uh, accuracy, as we like to call it. Facts and accuracy does not pa- factor in. Eric Dickerson already went there, fair. didn't he? Like last week, he already went there and said he wanted the Patriots yep. because they cheated us yep. the last time. Cheated us when Dickerson demanded a trade out of Los Angeles and hadn't worn that uniform for thirty years. Right. So, I don't know. I think it's a pretty good matchup. I don't. Um, I don't believe it's the sexiest of the four matchups we could have gotten, but it's. Um, it's clearly it's got a it's got a lot of glamour to it and and the the LA Boston thing is getting freaky at this point now. This is the third time in three and a half months we're going to say that we're going to hear beat LA coming out right. of the Boston. Area. I was pre- I mean beat LA was pretty unnecessary against the Chargers. I mean because the Chargers are homeless. The char the Chargers. I mean, they well, just, you said beat San Diego all right. week. So. I, I beat SD. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I, I know, and I, I got one of those Julian Edelman beat LA shirts, and I was wearing it again the other day, and someone said, "How did you get that so quickly?" <laughs> right. Oh wow, how'd you get that so fast? Like I actually, they made it a week and a half ago. Oh wow, got more bang for your buck, did you there, guy? I'm still waiting on the beat LA World Series shirt that you were. I uh, promise you, you me. will. You will have it at your hotel next week to wear proudly. Good. I need that for the Super Bowl. Uh, Gonna be an excellent podcast next week. I'm hoping we can just have a guest of Palooza. Yeah, because Lord knows there's no shortage of personality analysts, former players, and more that'll be circulating around Media Row and Super Bowl Fifty Three in the ATL. I have to admit, I checked the, for the first time. I checked the long term weather forecast for Atlanta. You weren't there, but the last time it was there in January of 2000 was the week-long ice storm, and it was brutal. Um, and we just dealt with one up here. Yeah, we just dealt one. 
last uh, Saturday and Sunday morning, but um, you couldn't get anywhere in Atlanta th- th- that week. Um, it's funny. Uh, I actually interviewed that week. Uh, I was covering it for the St. Paul Pioneer Press as a Vikings beat writer, but interviewed with CNN SI, which later turned into a job offer. But um, the Atlanta Super Bowls, I've been to both of them. The, the first one was the uh, second Bills-Cowboys. Nothing memorable about that game. And then, of course, the great Titans-Rams finish. Um, one yard shot. Mike Jones. Kevin Dyson. Mike Jones and Kevin Dyson. Yep. Unreal. Um, also, it, of a prom- on a promotional note, um, so we'll be down there next week for the Cover 2 podcast. Don, you'll be down there doing yep. your work for Patriots.com and The Athletic, etc. Uh, I'll be down there starting next Tuesday doing work for Patriots.com uh, with my production crew making videos every day for Pats fans showing some perspective on the city, hopefully uh, you know, leaning towards the humor side of things like the video we did, Friendly Rivals, last week. And uh, I will be... If you're in Atlanta, uh, the day before the Super Bowl, I'll be co-hosting the Patriots rally downtown Atlanta with uh, the great Brian Morey for the Patriots and the cheerleaders. And if you want to swing by Gillette this Sunday for the Patriots send-off, I'll also be co-hosting the send-off party. You'll be co-hosting the send-off? I was just invited to this morning. Wow. I'm a little bit excited. Playing the big stage. If I can be honest, I'm a little bit excited. Playing the big stage. That's uh, that's a high-profile event. Doesn't that usually go uh, live local television uh, as... As a rule, as they send off. I, uh, I guess so. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get a great week in Atlanta. Super Bowl 53 looks like a, a great matchup. I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. I think it'll be a fairly close game. Every Patriots Super Bowl has been a one-score game. We'll make our picks next week from Atlanta. Um, we want to thank Mike Pereira, who really devoted um, a good, well, I don't know, 15-plus minutes to the officiating issue that is kind of dominating the news this week. Uh, Mike is the uh, former director of NFL officials, serving now as a Fox Sports rules analyst, NFL and college football. For Kevin Collins, our producer. For Nick Stevens, my co-host, I'm Don Banks. Thanks for joining us once again on the Cover 2 podcast. We will talk at you from Atlanta, site of Super Bowl 53, next week. Take care. Thank you for downloading this podcast from Patriots.com. Log on anytime for more news and more podcasts from your favorite team and Patriots.com.